Hey humans, Susan Ruth here. How's it going? This episode we have Mr. Brooks Ingle, firefighter. He has great stories, really interesting uh, interview slash conversation. I don't know what to call them. Are they interviews? Not really. Conversations, pretty much. Anyway, um, we talk about all sorts of things, experiences he's had, things he's seen. He talks some fire safety, a um, little bit of everything. I want to mention, uh, if you don't already know, that there is a HeyHumanPodcast.com. So HeyHumanPodcast.com, where you can find lots of information. In fact, uh, I'm putting links on there. Every episode, with every person I speak to, I try and put links on the website that um, are somehow correlated with the conversation that was had on the episode. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Enough said about that. Let's get into the conversation with Brooks. All right, here we go. Hi, Brooks. Hi, Sus. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. So excited for Hey Human today. We've got Brooks Ingle, and uh, he is a fireman. Isn't that cool? So I thought, well, what do firemen do? What do they think? What are they like? <laughs> you're the first fireman, no, you're the second fireman that I have known, mm-hmm. spoken to, but really the first fireman that I have spoken to more than a few, you know, short sentences like, help! No. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you get into firemanning? Well, um, my dad was a firefighter paramedic. Yeah. Um, ever since I can remember, I grew up in the firehouse and uh, my mom was burned really bad when she was five. Mm-hmm. Over 75% of her body. Is that how your dad met your mom? No, they went to high school together. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she, uh, my grandfather was burning bar- uh, leaves in a uh, 55-gallon barrel, mm-hmm. and uh, she had a polyester dress on. Then she walked out back and just got too close to it. She spent two years um, in a burn unit, wasn't supposed to live, Holy was never supposed God. to have kids. She had having two kids. Why... If you're burned externally, why would you not be able to have children? Just the trauma to the body, or well, when you when you get burned, um, you know the burns kind of go from the outer surface of your skin and they work their way in. So you have uh, like skin tightening, mm-hmm. and um, her she had to have just numerous skin grafts, right? Right. So when you have all these skin grafts, your skin can't. They they try to allow your skin to be able to stretch again, like a normal, like you know. Us. Sure. And she didn't have that ability for her skin to stretch. Oh. So um, they they just said, you know, you'll never be able to stretch enough to have any children. Oh, because the belly has to stretch. Right. Oh, yeah. how did she So we, Therefore, we, in, in secondary to that, we wouldn't be big enough. You know, we'd be oh. premature, which I was premature. I was, you were? Yeah, I was Well, five. you made up for last time, friend. <laughs> Thanks. For all of you who can't see him, he is a strapping individual. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so she had two kids. I uh, have a sister, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is she in fire things? Nurse. Oh, so both of you went into professions where you help people. That's very mm-hmm. noble. Yeah. And so my dad, you know, I, I grew up, my earliest recollection was uh, being in the firehouse. And mm-hmm. uh, just typical boy and his dad, you know, like the bell goes off. These guys run out, kick their shoes off 
put their gear on, mm-hmm. uh, r- jump on the fire truck, and they go screaming out the door. You know? Right. I mean, what little boy doesn't love that, right? Sure. Or little girl. Let's not be sexist now. <laughs> well, you know, sorry. <laughs> Girls, you too can be a fire person. And there's plenty of Here's them. Here's a question. Do fire women, is it fire women or is it firemen still? Is it like actors or both men and women or is it... How's that work out? I mean, they, you're just you're a firefighter, you know. Mm. Whether you're you're a woman, that makes or a sense. Man. Like flight attendant, they're not stewards and stewardesses anymore. Got yeah. it. All right. Yeah. See, I love learning stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're a little kid. Your mom had been burned badly. She married your dad. You and your sister are born. You're like, I want to be a fireman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Went to I went to uh, the Merchant Marine Academy for a short stint. Thought I wanted to do business, but really in my heart, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I came back, I was, jeez, uh, 19, and mm-hmm. I went to um, EMT school, because you have to be an EMT before you're a paramedic. Mm-hmm. And um, and those are the prerequisites to be a fire, fire person, firefighter? Well, if you're a paramedic, like the paramedic's the highest trained medical uh-huh. person, sure. you know, like in, um, in the field. Uh-huh. So a lot of fire departments love paramedics, just because you can cross train them easily, and, sure. and they can do basically a lot of things that... A doctor would do in the emergency yeah. room. So uh, I was a paramedic at. I went right from EMT school to paramedic school. Um, I, you know, usually you have to work like for a year or two. But mm-hmm. I found out when you go to school, they like your money, so <laughs> they let me go right Everybody over. Everybody likes money, <laughs> right? So uh, I was a paramedic right at 21. Okay. And I was real young, you know, and uh, got on the fire department. I'm, I'm 21 years old. I was a professional firefighter paramedic. What did you have to do to take the firefighter test? Is it a written test? Is it yeah? You, you go to scale classes. Tall buildings and just go down that kind of thing. <laughs> it, you go to classes and um, take tests and mm-hmm. you know get your certifications. And the paramedics the hardest. I mean, that's two. That when I went, it was two years. Um, let's see, three days a week. And you have to do over a thousand hours of clinical. Yeah, so if it was fighting a fire, it's sort of like fight the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas fix a human, a lot of stuff in a human that sure. can go wrong. Pretty complex. Yeah, rather. Yeah. Not me, but in general. <laughs> <laughs> You're never complex. You open me up, I'm just a couple little gears going around. <laughs> There's a mouse in my head running really fast on a wheel. Yeah. 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 Shocks doctors generally. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> So you've taken the test. You're—is that young for a firefighter? Very. I mean, twenty-one in India. Well, I was in Indiana like at the time, kid. and that you—that was the minimum age. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be a professional firefighter unless you're twenty-one mm-hmm. in Indiana. So yeah, I was right there. Wow. Yeah. Tell me about the first time you had to. Well, I assume that you had um, in training. They sent you into fiery buildings, but I think the brain tells you when you're in a training situation. It knows, and so. You don't have that total panic because you have people that are there. But the first time you went into an actual fire, how, what was that like? Do you remember? Well, when you go, like when you go to the, when you get trained, the fires, you know, they're fires, but they're in a controlled environment. Sure. So it it doesn't really get you prepared for an actual uncontrolled fire in a house or a build, you know, a commercial building or whatever. Um, I do remember my first fire. Actually, it was uh, it was just a, a story and a half house um, pulled up. Uh, what happened was a, a kid was playing with a lighter in the back of the house, and it was a back bedroom. Um, so you you know it was like a typical house. You go in, there's a living room. You go down the hall. There's to the right, there's a kitchen, and then that bedroom was off the kitchen. Mm-hmm. 
and we pull up and uh, there's you know heavy smoke blowing across the street and there's you can see flames coming from the back of the house and uh, it was a good fire it was a good job you know and so the captain goes up and uh, he, he takes the door we take the door open it and there's just jet black hot smoke to the floor can't see anything and you, you have respiratory you have all sorts of things yeah, you have a yeah. It's called an SCBA, self-contained breathing apparatus. So you have a mask on. You know, you're breathing air. It's not oxygen. A lot of people say an oxygen mask, oh, but oxygen is highly flammable. That right? makes sense. So that doesn't make you know it wouldn't make any sense to wear something flammable. No, not really. It's just it's just compressed air. Oh, I never do that. Okay, yeah. so compressed air. Okay. Um, and uh, you know he he went he said hey stay right here. I was on the nozzle, and that's what in, in the fire department that's what you want. You want to be on the nozzle, right? Is and that the water thing? This is where yeah where the where the water comes out. Like okay. garden hose, sure, the sure. end you have the nozzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the fire hose, same thing, nozzle. Okay. The, the fire service they call the pipe. You know you want to be the pipe man. Everybody wants to be the pipe man. That's that's what it's all about putting the fire out. So he said stay right here. Uh, he went around back to call the windows out in the back to help ventilate to get the hot gases and the smoke out, right? Sure. So he came back around to the front, and he goes, all right, let's go. And that was my baptismal cherry popping <laughs> to fire, and I went in the house, and uh, it was hot. Couldn't see. Uh, you instantly lose your ability to see anything. Um, you have to use your other senses. You have to be really good at you know, your hearing, your feel, because you can feel even on your, you know, maybe the right side of your body, it's hotter than your left side, yeah. which means the fire is probably over to your right. Sure. You can, like a campfire, people hear the crackling. You can hear that in fire. That's actually one of the things you're kind of looking for or hearing, you're trying to listen for, you know. Yeah. So I went down the hallway. I actually ran headfirst into that wall on the back side. Um, and then I happened to look to my right, and I could see the fire licking out of that bedroom into the kitchen. And, you know, I was pretty amped up. I'm like, Captain, I found it. I found it, you know. And so I sprayed so you're looking for the source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you want to go to the source, the, the seed of the fire, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the seat of the fire wasn't the kitchen. I could tell that it was, you know, it was all coming from that that bedroom. And uh, so I went into the kitchen, and he had never really gone into the house with me because he was trying to hump hose. So I thought he was behind me the whole time. <laughs> By the like, way, hump hose for you listening that don't understand what that means. He wasn't having an erotic moment. <laughs> he was, that means he's carrying the like carrying the burden of the hose, right? right? Yeah. Right. Good. Sorry. You gotta. Yeah. That's okay. Out. Uh, but so he was kind of just inside the front door. So I was like, I had crawled through this house basically alone. And, uh, I looked back for him and I yelled for him to, to give me more hose, right. To, yeah. you know, hunt more hose. Right? Yeah. And, uh, he, he did it. So I knew he could hear me. And then I got into the kitchen, um, and I made it to the doorway where the fire was in, in the whole room. If you can imagine, um, it's called flashover, you know, when, when there's a fire, the, the contents of the room burn. And then when everything in that room reaches its combustible point, it, everything catches on fire. Hmm. So, um, it doesn't need a flame to do it. It just, no, it need, I mean, there, there needs a flame. The, okay. Right. Cause you know, the flame burns. Oh, okay. There's different it's stages. not like a heat stage that it hits and then it just goes kaboom. Well, everything in a room has its own combustible temperature. Like your kitchen table will burn at this temperature. Oh, okay. You know, the, mm-hmm. the drywall burns at this temperature. But the whole room had was on fire. Yeah. Every inch of that room. It was from, hot as from an top to bottom. in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I remember I, I made it to the room and I went, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, this is, this is wow. awesome. You know, like, this is amazing. I, I, 
it's just something that moment like you can't that's gotta be a weird thought though so you're sitting here you're thinking i'm in the middle of a burning house are there people in but you're like this is cool (laughs) because it's the little boy in you that always wanted to be a fireman is now in the real moment yeah yeah and you're kind of gay you know in the fire service you know it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman i mean you're 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 gauged on uh, toughness you know like mental toughness and physical toughness you know and um, people want firefighters who can, you know, everybody's afraid. I don't give a shit who you are. Like, if you, you know, everybody has fear, but you have to be able to harness that fear. Mm-hmm. You have to tuck it away and um, be able to go in and, and do the job. So I got to the room and um, I just saw it for a second and I kind of, it's almost mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, let's put this thing out. And um, fire went out and that was it, you know. So it had stayed in that room mostly. Had yeah. Reached the- but it was it was working its way to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Eventually, if we would have done nothing, the whole house would burn to the ground. But if you get the seed, the rest is easy to maintain. Like the seat of the fire. Oh, seat. I think yeah. Seed. No, okay. that's not- Seat of the fire. Then the rest is easier to maintain. Yeah, you got to go to the seat of the fire. You know, if you if you generally if you work your way to the seat of the fire, you can find you know where the fire is extended to. They call it extension. You know, you got to check for extension. You know, maybe it went up into the wall and yeah. it's working its way up to the second floor. There's sure. a second floor. It's yeah, wanting to get to that uh, insulation, which probably burns like a mother. Yeah, it burns. Yeah. It burns. It stinks and it sticks to you and it's just nasty. But yeah, you want to find the seat of the fire. That's the objective. So at what what rating are those suits? How? And then comparatively, how hot? Is there a, a limit to how hot a room or house can burn or... No limit because who knows what's in there. Well, it. I mean, it can, I've been in fires that there was a thousand degrees over my head. So like I. That I mean. That's not really an easy question to answer. I mean, you know, there there's me, all different insane. temperatures. Yeah. A thousand degrees. Mm-hmm. And we did that was that was proof because we had a camera, a thermal camera in our hand that showed how hot it was at the ceiling level and. The captain put it up to the ceiling, and it was red, and it was a thousand. Are you sweating balls in there? It's a hundred pounds. You automatically, without even being in a fire, when when, when you see a firefighter with his, his with his gear on, his helmet, his coat, pants, and all that, and his the the um, tank on his back, that's a hundred pounds. Yeah. So he's automatically carrying a hundred pounds. So we're not even got into the fact that he's going into an environment that's like an oven, and then he's dragging hose, he's searching for a victim. He's uh, tripping over all your furniture. Yeah. You know, there may be holes in the floor. I mean, there's just so many variables to the job. And there's there's always stuff falling on you. Right. I mean, there's many stories of every firefighter, if they've been doing it long enough, can tell you, oh, man, I had like a ceiling falling on me and knocked me to the floor. I mean, those stories are just endless, you know. You think it's just the movies? (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely not the movies. It's real. Wow. So that was your first fire. You got it out. Did, was the boy inside? No, nobody was inside. Thank God. Uh, unfortunately, a dog didn't make it. Oh, um, that breaks my heart. Yeah, me too. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, unfortunately that stuff happens. Do you keep track of how many fires you've been in or is that a I weird... count. Okay. I didn't know if that was sort of something that y'all did. I did for a while. Yeah. A lot of guys do for a while, but then... So uh, how many years now have you been doing it? Well, uh, I don't know how old you are, so... 34. So I did uh, 15 years, you know, not all 15 years professionally, um, but a total, you know, I started volunteering when I was 18. Yeah. So... What do they let volunteer firefighters do? They're... They, they, so, are they going fire? in there? Yeah. Wow. 
Amazing. Because so, I know that volunteer firefighters fight brush fires and, and wildfires and things like that. And we just recently, didn't we lose a bunch of those last year fighting that big fire? It's so sad. Yeah, that it is. Such a noble and terrifying and horrible thing. Um, so have you ever been badly hurt? Not badly hurt. No, I've been burned. Been yeah. Got, yeah, been burned on my hands and my neck. Um, you know, just, just sort of par for the course. Is that normal? Yeah, I think I think if you're a firefighter um, long enough, you're gonna get burned. Yeah. So I imagine I'm not gonna speak for you. That's what you're here for. <laughs> but I imagine that the things you've seen are pretty intense, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen beautiful things too. Because I was saying before we started recording that I always notice that firefighters are the first on any scene of anything. It seems like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's true. Sure, it might be kind of a grand statement but I'm almost positive that that's true and uh so you probably see a lot of really wonderful and a lot of really horrible things definitely so how do you deal with all that stuff is there firefighter therapy do you just you say you turn you know you push stuff down you put your fear away but after a while that can't be super healthy for like personally you know like when you like a normal family you know when they come home um and the, the parents come home, cook dinner, and you, and you sit at the kitchen table and you talk about your day, right? Um, it's a broad range of things. My conversation with my dad at the kitchen table was, you know, somebody blew their head off, uh, that a house fire, um, people were trapped in it. Um, it was all the things you would never think a kitchen, a dinner time conversation would be, right? Sure. So I was predisposed to this as early as I can remember. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I kind of had, you know, I think, I'm, I think I'm mentally tough naturally anyways, but, um, I was, uh, ready for it when, when, when I got into it and I don't have nightmares. I don't, I know some people do. Um, I'm blessed. I don't think, yeah, right. And then, um, but I can still tell you what a woman looks like when her husband just died. And I have to go tell her, you know. Sure. I think I, I, I know that look. And I've seen that look over and over again uh, multiple times. You know? Or what a dead person looks like in a car. You know, it's not anything a human eye should ever have to see, you know. What does that do to you as a human being? Is that, I mean, to, to see, having seen someone die likely in your arms, I'm sure you've experienced that. Mm-hmm. both as a paramedic and as a firefighter. Um, and then seeing the other side, the life side, the beauty. And, I mean, I think there's there's sort of a, I mean, sometimes grotesque beauty in death, but death has its moments as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did that change? I, you say you grew up in that, and so the everyday dinner conversation was, this guy died, this lady died, this person, you know, arm fell off, whatever. <laughs> do, you, do you think that made you... Trying to think of how to ask this, did it? You wouldn't have anything to compare it to because that's all you've ever known. But when you look at like your other friends and things who aren't in the field, do you think it's anyhow like, for lack of a better word, warped your sensibilities or made you more callous or maybe made you more vulnerable or in in terms of your general life outside of what you do? Sure. And do you think your brothers and sisters of you know in firefighting have that? that 
issue or? That's a great question. Because no I would think seeing death a lot, mm-hmm. you would then value death more. Your, your options really are you'll value death more or you'll be like, eh, life, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. Um, hmm. I think um, as far as going to the, going to work, I don't think about this could be the day that I die. You know, um, I don't think really. I have a lot of buddies, and I don't think that we talk about it. But I don't think we think that way. You know, we go to work and um, we don't expect to see, you know, baked cookies and flowers growing. You know, when, when I go to work, I expect to see bad shit. Like, sure. some, some, this, today's going to be someone's worst day. And, and whatever capacity that's going to be, who knows? But I, I don't think, I, I value life. I value how fragile it is. Um, and I really honestly try to live every day the best I can be, you know, and I think kind of firefighters as a whole, we, we do as much as we can to, um, you know, live it up. Yeah. It doesn't jeopardize loving relationships or friendships with that sense, sort of that. In what way? Well, I mean, look, relationships are hard, period. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. But if you're in a situation where, even though you're not thinking today is going to be maybe a day I die, because I don't think you you would be able to do your job if you went in with that mentality, right? Mm Because then fear would sort of have taken you over. Um, But that being said, when you're in relationships with your family and friends and lovers, it's always a possibility. So is there that sort of divide between you and another person, or is it not a big deal? I'm asking, this is sort of like the Cosmopolitan magazine section of the interview. (laughs) How does it? Is it hard to love? But you know what? I mean, I think it's an interesting question. That's I, I mean, that's what we live for, right? So, so we live, we grow up, we fall in love, we die. Sure. <laughs> I think um, it's for us. I, I can speak for myself, but as a, as broad, um, you know, all of us. I think we are naturally loving. We're naturally nurturing. Makes sense. We naturally want to help fix a problem we fix problems that's what we do every day all day we fix problems right mm-hmm. so you know I don't know if that's what makes us appealing to women you know because we I think fix it's a, so it's much a sexy shit. calendar <laughs> 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 when, you're, when you're younger right <laughs> I was in a calendar a long time ago I was a lot skinnier though uh, no, no I, I ladies he is not <laughs> he is fine for a calendar <laughs> Um, I think we, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I, as far as relationships go, um, it takes a special person to understand kind of, and they don't understand, but it takes someone special to get the fact that we go to the firehouse for 24 hours. We're not at home. So that's hard enough. Sure. You know? So you, you kind of want someone that's independent, mm-hmm. that doesn't have to have us around all the time. But yet, when we come home in the morning and we are quiet, we may not talk, um, be as talkative as we normally are. And they can just sense something's not right. Um, that they have 
they're strong enough person to say what's going on. Like, talk to me, you know. I I want to I want to help you. I I have, and I have a lot of respect for someone that goes. I have no idea what you saw. I have no idea what you're going through, but I love you and I'm here for you. Sure. And you know, I want to want to just talk about it if you want to. You know. But um, yeah, just. Do you find you need personally a lot of introspective time? After a day, after a, a day's work, that see, I mean, I, I imagine not every day is insane. You right. probably have some days where you're pretty, pretty chill. Cats and trees. Do you have you ever pulled a cat out of a tree? I gotta ask that one. Oh my god, does <laughs> that actually happen? Do people does, call the know, fire department? It really does. Oh my goodness. But like, you know, <laughs> filling someone's swimming pool. People want that. What? Yeah, because you know the trucks carry a lot of water. Are so, you for real you know, right serious, now? Yeah, yeah. We tried to, me and a guy, we uh, oh we had a call once to pull a cat out of a tree, and we're like, okay, well, we thought it was someone's pet, right? But it was a feral cat, and we didn't figure this out until, like, we were up in the tree, and the cat, obviously, a feral cat's not even going to come close to you, right? And we found out it was a feral cat, and I'm like, put some food at the bottom of the tree, the thing's going to come down eventually. Oh like, everything is hungry Your eventually. Your dollars at work, ladies Right? <laughs> Obviously, I didn't do a, we didn't do a lot of those. I mean, every now and again, it will help somebody, you know, people appreciate that. Absolutely. So, yeah. I remember, it wasn't that long ago that people were in a tither because people need things to be upset about, Mm. (laughs) about the fact that you would go, the firefighters would go to the grocery store to get their food Mm. and people were upset that it was on company time. I was so mad at the people that were mad about that. Right. It's like, really? Get... I mean, jeez. Right. I mean, what what do you expect us to do? Not eat? I, exactly. Exactly. You know, we're there for twenty four hours, and and people say, "Well, you sleep." Well, we try to. Yeah, but if the alarm goes off, you're up and yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our you sleep, sleep for our three sleep hours patterns and two hours and... are so screwed up. Yeah. Uh, you just you never hardly ever get a really good night's sleep. Even if you don't have a call in the middle of the night, you don't get that deep sleep like you would sure, at home because you're kind of. Yeah on call in your brain somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can criticize a lot of people's career choices, but I don't know, or, you know, what they do in their jobs, stealing some pens here and there, sticky notes, mm-hmm. you know, shouldn't shoot unarmed people. That's my own philosophy, <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. Sure. But it's pretty hard to find fault with a firefighter. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, even my friends that aren't in the industry, um, they're loving people, obviously you, and uh, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, I have uh, just a, a broad range of, of friends, you know, and, and I blend well, obviously, with the guys that you know, the men and women that do the job. Mm-hmm. But I also blend well with the people that don't. Civilians, and, you can call us civilians. We don't mind. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> So do you have any particular, um, anything that you've experienced that stands out to you? Oh, there's just so many. I don't, well, it's not like necessarily me. I mean, you know, this firefighting isn't me, 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 my, my, my. No, of course. It's a definitely a team sport, right? Sure. And when you pull up on a fire and it's going real, the fire's, you know, really going good. Everybody has their own job. You know, some guy. You know, there's a, a team of guys that go in with the nozzle, the pipe, right, and put the. Fire you know out. that ahead of time. You know, yeah. when you get to this fire, yeah. Joe's doing this, Sarah's doing this, Bill's doing this. Yeah. yeah, okay. We're really good planners. 
ahead of time. And yeah, and we can really. But when you get there, the fire could be different at any time. Does that change anything, or is it sometimes? Just, okay, you know, sometimes. But then again, like we're really good at going up to a scene, whether it's a, a wreck or a fire, and because obviously it's chaos, it's uncontrolled, sure. no matter what it is. And we go up, and and we are the people that um, make those decisions to start to mitigate the situation. You know, we try to harness it and stop it from getting any worse than what it already is. Right. So we have an ability to, you know, generally you have a a plan that's already, you know, everybody knows. But if the plan has to change, then, you know, the boss or the captain or, you know, the chief or whoever who's in charge um, can say, let's do this a little different. Um, Let's go in and do it Mm -hmm. try try to make the situation better sometimes you do you know sometimes um it doesn't want to work out in your favor but we don't like to lose (laughs) you know firefighters don't like to lose we like to we like to win you know and um it's pretty much a competitive sport (laughs) you know we're generally type a's um and you know tough tough mm-hmm. you know and I got friends that were on Chicago Fire Department I got friends on New York City sure. and we no matter where you are even if you're a volunteer fireman you know and those guys I feel bad for from the standpoint that you know, they're guys? volunteering oh well, the volunteers uh-huh. yeah so I mean the guys I work with are great they, they, they may be in the fields like because I was from Indiana right so it was in the middle of the farm fields, right? And they, they go out and they're in the work in the fields and they get this call and this pager and they go and they, they do the same thing I'm doing, but I'm at the firehouse waiting for it, mm-hmm. right? So these guys aren't getting paid per se. I mean, they may make a little bit, but they're doing the same stuff. Sure. And, um, yeah. What de- delineates the alarms? Because I've heard things we call, oh, that's a five alarm or a four alarm. Or, is that a real thing or is that, yeah. a movie, is that a movie thing? No, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. So generally, like, it depends kind of on the city structure, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get what's called a still alarm, S-T-I-L-L, still. Uh, that may be, just be like a house fire, right? Or, or a, uh, may start as a small apartment. Um, but then again, like, apartments are usually a little bit bigger, so... They may be what's called a box alarm, and all that means is, is like you get more companies, like companies meeting fire trucks showing up. Yeah. Oh, okay. On the initial dispatch, like if it's a still, you may get, you know, depending on the city, every city's different. But for the sake of, of the story, let's just say you get uh, two engines and a ladder truck, and engines the 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 truck the uh, the uh, truck that carries the water. An engine is. Yeah, mm-hmm. a fire engine. That's the one with the dog. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't you all get a dog when you arrive? There's firehouses that have dogs. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Usually they're dumpster dogs and we take them in, but they're good dogs nevertheless. But, um, um, yeah, and then you have a truck, truck company. Like, that's the that's the piece of equipment with the ladder on top. Mm-hmm, to get to the top of the parts. That they can use or the ladder help for. people. Or... Sure. Sure. Um, so... You have the box alarm, and then that's maybe an apartment. So, like, if it's if it's a box alarm, you'll get maybe three or four engines, a couple ladder trucks, mm-hmm. and then you know maybe a, a, an extra chief because a chief goes because he's like the boss, like the big boss. Like you're gonna have a big boss, right? Mm-hmm. But on these fire trucks, and, I don't have a big boss. <laughs> 
That doesn't work out well with me. That's another podcast. Um, But every piece of equipment, like the ladder truck or the engine, has like an officer on it. Mm -hmm. You know, the officer's off. Then you put like generally the guy that's been there the longest Mm -hmm. up in the front seat Mm because he generally can make sound decisions. But then you get... So if you go to an apartment fire and it's it's a box alone, right? So you get all these companies going there. The chief gets there and he goes, man, this thing's getting out of control. We're having a hard time making the situation better. So the fire's getting bigger, right? He'll say, give me a, a second alarm. So then you'll have like maybe a, two more engines and another ladder truck and another mm-hmm. chief come and maybe a res- another rescue company or, you know, because you have guys in rescue companies that their primary job is to search and search for people. Um, Still in the full regalia gear. Always, right. But they're not they're not concentrating on the fire. They're concentrating on finding the people. Sure. Hopefully right. not bodies, but people. Right. Right. So you have, like, the engine company, like I said, they put the fire out. The truck company, they do, like, they search for, for victims or they'll do uh, uh, any type of ventilation, like maybe cut a hole in the roof, knock out windows, uh, do any forcible entry, like knock in doors or, you know, force doors open. They have tools for that. Um, then you have maybe, a, if it's a bigger city, you have a rescue company, and they they may do just uh, the searching for victims, or the chief may say, hey, grab another hose line and go in and help those guys put the fire out. Sure. So it just really depends on the department, where you're at in the country, um, and really the situation, because the chief might you know mix it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, so... Huh, very interesting. Yeah, and then you can go from like a, a second alarm, third alarm, fourth alarm, fifth alarm. They let people in the building when it's a five alarm? or do they? Gen- generally, at that point, it's a defensive fire, right? So you, you, it's, you're just... Those aren't very... They don't happen very often, right? No, I mean, not every... I mean, maybe in the country, they may happen, I don't know, once a month, once oh. a week. I don't know, you know, there's big fires in the country oh, every day. Okay. But, um... I don't know the statistics, but generally if you're at a, a five-alarm fire, you know, some departments call it 511, then you'll have uh, you'll be outside with hose lines from outside. Okay. Nobody's in the building if you, well, that you, you hope. At that point. I mean, none of the firefighters are in the building. At that point, you hope. I mean, you, yeah. you hope not at that point. Right. right. I mean, there's been plenty of fires where um, we go into and it's getting bad. And the chief's out front going, we're done. Pull everybody out, you know. And there's a procedure where the dispatchers will do alarms on the radio and then the, the guys on the fire engines will sound the air horns. And, you know, they'll, they'll, that means we can hear that and that means get out of the building. So we'll leave the building and we'll transition from, like, an interior attack, they call it interior attack, to a defensive mm-hmm. exterior attack. Mm-hmm. So... Do you have to make sure the building's nearby? Do you hose those down as well to keep them from... Depends. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So here's a... This is more of a chemistry question. So when I'm building a fire at the campsite, you, I blow on it to make the flames go up. So why... If you put holes in walls to get airflow, isn't that making more fire? Can it can if you do it wrong, ah. you know, and, and not necessarily wrong, but you're a sorcerer. Yeah. <laughs> so like fire generally moves up and out. Yes. Like it's, it's a it's a vertical and lateral okay. traveler. Okay. So when we cut holes in the roof, what we want to do is get the fire that's going up and out kind of channeled 
to go up through the hole, and then the heat, the superheated gases and stuff, they go, you know, they travel up as well. That's mm-hmm. why people say, if your house is on fire, stay on the floor, because it's all the, the smoke and everything yeah. goes to the ceiling first, right? And it banks down and starts layering as it gets worse. So yeah, all that superheated gas and fire and smoke goes through the hole, and then everything kind of inside lifts a little bit, you know, that you may have a little bit of lift off the floor so that it makes the heat less, the uh, smoke less. Makes sense. And it makes it easier for the guys on the pipe, on the engine, to go in and put the fire out. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you ventilate wrong, then you can control basically, you know, not intentionally where the fire goes. You could pull the fire actually toward you, what, toward you this way, that way. So you kind of, there's a rhyme and a reason to ventilating a, a building. Is Backdraft your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I knew you were going to do it. I knew it was in there somewhere. Oh, um, that was a very good movie. That was based off... Uh, a real arsonist? Of, no. Oh. Um, off two brothers oh. in Chicago. Really? Yeah, the Hoff brothers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ray and Bobby. Do you, is there a psyche valve that happens to make sure the firefighters aren't actually arsonists? Because I would think if I was an arsonist, that would be the cream of the gene of the crop of a job. Well, let me answer your question first. Okay. Uh, previously, I love Backdraft. Yeah, it's a great right? movie. <laughs> Ladder 49 is good, too. Oh, um, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, so actually one of the best movies slash documentaries I've seen is Burn. It's oh. just called Burn. Okay. It's based on Detroit. Oh. Those guys... Those guys have 80,000 vacant buildings in Detroit and they get fires all the time. Oh, man. So if anybody wants to see a good documentary, you can YouTube it. What a war zone. Yeah, it is. It really is. So, what was your question again? I don't know. It's something stupid, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) So, have you personally been in a situation where you thought, I'm not getting out of this? Yeah. So, can you talk about that a little bit? And what sort of went, went through... The brain pan? Um, there was, let's see, me, there were f- five of us total. Um, it was, geez, it was, we were up late. The captain was off. Uh, the senior man was uh, in charge. And there was, uh, it was one o'clock in the morning. I distinctly remember to this day I was actually in the living room. And I just happened to look at the clock and it just hit one. And all of a sudden... I hear a loud bang from the front door. About that time, the bells went off. So if you can put two and two together pretty quick and realize something's going on. So we ran down the steps, and there's people on the outside. They're yelling, there's a fire, there's a fire over there. And the dis- uh, from, from the fire station? Right, not, not at the fire station, yeah, yeah. but close, right? Okay. So they're saying there's a fire. The dispatcher's actually talking now. Um, we're running across the bays. There's people actually that had stopped along the apron of the doors, and they were all banging on the doors. So we knew we had a fire. We just didn't know where it was yet, right, because she hadn't told us yet. So we popped the door. We opened the door to the, the fire station, and we could smell it. Right? Every firefighter knows what this smells like. You know you're going to a job. But then we, uh, it was an apartment building two blocks away from the firehouse. Um, so we're driving down, and we can't see it from the firehouse, but when you pass a certain block, you can look over and just get a great shot of it. And we, we uh, pull past the block, and there's just black smoke 
billowing out of the fourth floor of this apartment building. So this is the real deal. So we pulled up. Uh, the guy that was in charge, great guy, good officer. He's a, he's a chief today, but he said, uh, hey, this is what we're going to take up the hose, you know, because we knew we were going to go up a stairwell. We're not going up the elevator. We knew we were going up a stairwell. So we needed a lot of extra hose, right? Well, when I got off, there was a, a policeman that came right up to me and he goes, there's a woman trapped on the fire floor. We couldn't get up there. It's too bad, but she's up there. And so we make our way down the hall and, there, and the whole time there's people passing us old people this place is it's one o'clock in the morning on a weekend and there's it's full of people so these people are passing us we're saying just keep going keep going you know and we make our way around the stairwell and we get up to the to the third floor so we get up to the steps to the fourth floor and we can see there's smoke about it's black jet black hot acrid smoke it's off it's a foot off of the, the floor and as we're going up the stairwell it was interesting too because there were people just the whole time and passing but passing us old folks you know and and they're obviously pretty scared so we get up there and we we get on the fourth floor and you can barely see your hand in front of your face and we the the plan was that me and the cat the the guy that was in charge we were going to go find the lady we had an idea of where she was, but we didn't know exactly where she was. And then the other, um, well, there were two guys up there because the, the fifth guy was down. He was pumping. He was on the truck directing water to the hose lines, right? So the other two guys were going to go put the fire out. You know, They put the fire out. We find the lady. We meet up, get her downstairs, get more help. We're the only four guys there. You know, Probably because you lived. Just, yeah, we were just like yeah. two and a half, three blocks away, right? So we get up there, and the whole plan just changed instantly. Like back to what I say, we, you know, if, if you get into a situation, we're pretty good at instantly going, "No, plans change. This is what we're going to do." Um, he goes, "We got to all now, four of us, put this fire out. It's getting bad. The, the, the conditions are deteriorating rapidly." So what had happened was, um, we took extra hose up there. So what did we had done? We took the 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 first set of hose up which has a nozzle on the end right that pipe I was telling you about sure. and then we, we, we connect another section of hose off that nozzle you could you can just screw it in and then you take and you extend your hose line right so we get up we get up there but you got to open that nozzle like it's like a relay you got to open that nozzle for the water to go into your next hose line right well the conditions were getting so bad so fast that nozzle wasn't on the floor below like it should have been. It was on the fire floor, and we couldn't find it. So I was, you know, and it was getting hot, and then that's when he looked up and he saw a 1,000 degrees. And um, it was getting really, really hot. And I was with a guy, his name's Brett, um, good guy. And he, uh, he and I were looking for it. I couldn't find it. The, the nozzle. I couldn't, the I couldn't find. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other guy's on the very, very end of the nozzle, and he's like, "We're you guys got to find this nozzle. We got to get the little water in this line." And I'm like, "We're trying, you know." And, Are you on walkie-talkie? Is that? Well, we could we could muffle. I mean, we could like we had our mask on, but we could like we were within like a uh, ten foot radius okay. of each other. Sure. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it, and I, I don't know. I just got. 
part of me is like, we're fucked. Like, I, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit finding this thing. But I'm not making any progress, you know. And Brett, somehow, I don't know how he did this day, but he found it. And all of a sudden, you hear just the air rushing through, because there's always air that kind of rushes through the line first. He found it, opened it up. And then the door got kicked in, and we all kind of charged into this apartment and uh, put the fire out, you know. And then we, by that time, the air in our tanks, you know, is supposed to last generally, on average, 30 minutes. But you're That's breathing. all? Yeah. But you're, but you're But that's a long time in a fire. 30 minutes is a long time. Generally, you're looking, you know, depending on your breathing rate, how amped up you are, you know, what's going on, you know, 15 minutes, you know. Um, so we put the fire out or got it under control. Um, then our bottles started, the, t- the bells and stuff on the bottles started going off, meaning we got to go get new bottles, right? So we went downstairs and, uh, there was more guys now coming upstairs to look for the lady. And then we got downstairs. There's a picture of us. I have it. It's, we're all on the ground. People are putting new bottles in. We're talking about the game plan. Well, the guy gets on the radio. He goes, I found this woman. She's on the you know fourth floor. And she was, if we would have went up the stairs to the fourth floor, we went left to put the fire out because the apartment was to the left. She was just to the right in the first apartment. She was right off the stairs. But her door was closed, thank God, right? And thank God the guy... That, Why thank God? Because when... So doors are the best things to stop, to stop you know, to, to inhibit fire travel. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doors are great. If, that's why people say shut the door if you're trying to leave a fire because doors are great, great stoppers. They won't stop it forever. Eventually, everything burns up, right? And sure. you don't put water on it. But they will hold a fire off for a long time, you know. So... This dude was pissed at his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, put stuff on her stove, set that apartment on fire, but he shut the door as he left, which saved a lot of people. There were people dead in that place. So he shut the door. Hence, when we kicked the door in. So he was just trying to burn his yeah. girlfriend's apartment up? Yeah. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. So we, they, he goes, hey, I found a woman. So I run up, and this woman was a, she was a heavier set woman. Yeah. Um, they were obviously having trouble. I met them right at the stair, on the stairs coming down from the fourth floor. I grabbed a leg. There was another guy on a leg, and the other two guys were on an arm. She was unconscious. Yeah, she wasn't breathing very well at all. She was dying. I mean, this, this woman was in bad shape. Barely alive. So we drug her down. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but we drug her down. We drug her all the way down the hallway, out the front door, um... The ambulance, whoever was on the ambulance came and picked her up, took her to the hospital, and yeah, she made it. She wow. visits the firehouse all the time. She comes in. Judy. name's Judy. Hi, Judy. <laughs> She's a great woman. Did you think you weren't going to get out of that one? We did. I think we talked about it after. And that guy, was he's a chief today. He was in charge that night. He goes, and even the other guy, he had a lot of experience, too. A lot. Of, he's a, they're both great firemen. They said, I thought we were done. And I'm like, thought we were done too, but I wasn't leaving. You know, I wasn't leaving you. I wasn't leaving the fire. I wasn't leaving. I mean, we were just going to, that going. was our, yeah, that was just, that's just what we do. We, uh, 
we're in it together, you know, it's a brotherhood and we're in it together. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably, that was pretty bad. Wow. I'm glad she made it. Good Judy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I hope that guy is now in prison. I don't remember. I'm sure he is. I mean, if you know, I mean, if they knew who he was and everything. I don't know if he's still in prison, but I'm pretty sure he went there for a while. Yeah. As he should have. Did anyone die in that? Not one person. Oh, God bless. Awesome. So. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it's funny. They always say when you see a service man or woman in the military, you should go up and thank them. But it seems to me that police and firemen deserve our thanks just as much. Definitely. So. Yeah, definitely. I think. um, It's sort of like the the unsung heroes, really. mm -hmm. I mean, every single day you're going out there and you're doing this stuff. And regular folk like me don't really think about it. You don't think about the fire fire persons unless you see them at the grocery store you know buying up dinner and you're like hey what's up but it, I don't know it's it's that weird sort of thing about that service that branch of service mm-hmm. is it considered military no language? well it's is paramilitary paramilitary yeah there's a lot what of military values it's not the military military right? oh, okay but we follow a lot of the um, military like code and ethics and sure. guidelines, you know, yeah. uh, there's rank and structure and chain of command and and all that stuff, you know, and yeah, you know, you don't know when you see a fireman or a policeman, paramedic or an EMT. They're them too. They're I don't too. mean yeah. to leave I mean, them out. Yeah, Absolutely. they're not ambulance drivers. Um, I have some very dear friends who are uh, flight nurses mm-hmm. and, uh, and regular hospital nurses and I mean, they, man... That's a heck of a job. Sure. I, think, I don't know. When you people sleep, for God's sakes, it's like there's no sleep ever. Try to. It's amazing can't. that you can do what you do. The adrenaline levels must just be through the roof. Yeah. Get pretty amped up sometimes. For me, like it's... Do you do yoga or meditation? Uh, yoga is actually awesome. Yeah. Like I, I love core yoga. Like just from a stretching standpoint, like you, you know, just keep your... Your muscles and everything uh, stretched out. I love it. I'm yeah. a big yoga guy. But. What about your mind, though? I mean, I know I keep bringing this up, but how do you go through this stuff day after day after day and experience this and not have your mind just sort of say, uh, excuse me, but this is sort of fucked up, man. Yeah, <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah. How do you find your happy place? How do you get zen with it all? And I mean, is it just so matter-of-fact for you at this point, or... I mean, do you ever break down and cry? I know you're, you know, a manly man. You've got a beard and everything, but you're a human being. I mean, I imagine some kids. I mean, you see everything. You probably see people at their worst and their best, as do police officers. But I mean, I've cried. yeah. How can I mean? How could you not? I have. Um, I went to a wreck once where. Uh, me it was same, one of the guys I was with that fire with actually he was a captain at this point and uh, two guys on the ambulance or four of us what had happened was uh, grandfather and grandmother drove from Wisconsin to Indianapolis which is a hike picked up three of their grandkids um, and they aged they ranged from geez um maybe 
9 to 14. And they were going to Mon the, the place where I'm from, you know, and, and there's an amusement park there. So you go from um, the, the, to Wisconsin, down to Indy, an hour and a half north of Indy, you know, and, and that's a hike for anybody. So now throw, you know, an elderly person on top of that. That's in the summer, all day driving, you know. So he was tired, and he was two miles from town, two miles. And uh, he came around a corner, and he fell asleep, and he hit a truck head on. Jeez. And um, we just started watching a movie. Like, it was a beautiful summer day, and, you know, the, the bell goes off for um for a wreck. Generally, like, if you get a really bad wreck, like the dispatchers, when you're en route to the wreck, like they'll come back and go, there might be people dead here. You know, they have verbiage for it, but basically that's what they're saying. Um, bad wreck, blah, blah, blah. Like, there wasn't a word. Like, there wasn't a word, and it was a little bit of a drive. And we pulled up, and... The car hit the trucks so hard, the back tires of the car were off the ground. Wow. And we pulled up. I pulled up right next to the car. The guy in the truck was fine. He's walking around. And I could see, when I was in the truck, I pulled up. I could see the, I could see someone in the back. I could see the woman in the passenger seat. She looked dead. And uh, I remember saying to Steve, the captain, I said, this is a bad one. And he goes... Yeah, it really is. And so he jumped out, I jumped out, and I went around. I felt for a pulse in the kid in the back. Nothing. He was dead. Went to the woman, the grandma. I could, I could only get to her neck up because she was pinned. The dashboard and everything came in on top of her. Dead. So I go around the other side of the car. I could see car door, the, the back car door was open, the rear driver's side. And... About that time, one of these new—he was a newer paramedic, great guy. Um, he comes run up to me and he goes, "The driver—he's—he's—he's he's, he's barely alive. You've got to get him out. You got to cut him out. Uh, he's gonna die." And I walked. I said, "Hold on." I walked around in the car, and the guy was actively dying. And the steering wheel—if you can imagine—I don't know if you can imagine this, people listening—but when he had his, you know, obviously driving with his hands. And he hit the steering wheel so hard with his chest that the, the, the part you hold your hand was bent. Both sides bent completely back around. Whoa. And he, his chest was kind of sitting up against the part where you honk the horn, where the airbag would come out. The airbag did come out, but obviously it wasn't anything. But, um, so obviously that's a pretty significant hit. And he was... Internally. Yeah, bleeding internally in his chest. Sure. And I said... He was pinned in the car. I said, he's, he's going to die. He's not going to make it. Um, who do we have that's alive? Who do we have that's viable? And he said, there's two kids back behind the car. And some bystander had pulled them out. That, you know, Are you supposed to do that? Or not supposed to do that? I've heard you know, You know, it's... Um, <laughs> there's a lot of variables to it. Generally speaking, um, it's not the best idea. But I don't want people to hear me say, well, he said not to pull him out. Right. But the car's on fire. Right, sure. I mean, you know, you know use some common sense. Sure. But 
someone had done it. They, they laid the girl on the ground. And I, and I remember I walked around the car door. I couldn't see her, but I, when I walked around the car door, it was this little, like, 10-year-old girl. And her lips were blue as a Smurf. And she was pasty pale. And, and I remember saying, her aorta's dissected. I mean, they have a general appearance like she was just blood curling like screams for her mom. Like she was screaming oh, for geez. her mom. Just, it was, it was intense. And I said, you got to get her to a trauma center. She needs a trauma, pediatric trauma surgeon. Um, her brother was behind her, the other brother. And he was messed up, but he wasn't dying. Um, so they get her in the ambulance. They get going to the hospital. I stay back and cut the dead people out of the car. Hey. And bag mm. them up. And so then the doctor told us that that little girl screamed for her mother the entire time in the emergency room. That's all she said. Didn't say anything else. Baby. The surgeon said she was screaming for her mother. She goes into surgery. Get her out of surgery. She's in recovery. She wakes up enough to scream for her mother again. Her mother walks in the room, says, Baby, I'm here for you. I'm here. I'm here. Mommy's here. And she dies instantly. So, I mean, just shit like that. I mean, how do you... But this isn't just this is just my story, you know. Like there's firefighters, paramedics, policemen. There's people like this everywhere in the country, the world, that have stories like this. You know, like this is just shit that my eyes have seen. That's not. That's like such a heavy soul moment. Yeah. You know, the little girl. No, like some part of her is like, this is it for me. I want to see my mom one last yeah. time. And then when she had that, she was able to let go. I mean, jeez. It's the almost the only thing in an unbearable situation that can bring any sort of peace. I mean, do you believe in a higher power? Or, or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I... Not that you, know, you have the, to, but I mean... No, I really do. All, all the people, you know, that I've taken to the hospital, um, like especially the cancer patients, you're just dealing with them, they'll look at you and they'll say, I'm tired, you know, like... The civilian may go, I've heard this a ton of times, like, oh, take a nap, get some rest. That's not what they mean. They're tired of living. Yeah, they're done. Yeah. They just want to end. And I know exactly what they mean. They want the morphine train. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. I do. And, you know, there's a lot of, I've met people that have, you know, seen things and, you know, whether someone believes in it or not, um... It gives me comfort to believe in that. Ah, sure. Right. So I know after all the bad shit I've seen and the service that the way I've tried to help people, that, you know, hopefully the gates are pearly and beautiful <laughs> and it's all good. But. No fire anywhere. So for people listening, uh, I, I know I'm curious, what is probably one of the top causes of residential issues? Wait, somebody could do something to sort of protect themselves a little bit better or not be an idiot. <laughs> like what well, you said, what's the top cause for residential fires? Well, it depends where you're at and what neighborhood you live in. Oh, really? But, yeah, in Detroit they have, uh, like I think, five classifications for arson alone. 
Oh, that's so sad. Really? Right. So yeah, it just depends. Oh, you know, man. like generally, you could look at this way. People of Detroit, stop burning things <laughs> down. You can look at it as arson, electrical, um, some sort of accidental kid playing with a lighter. Sure. Um, so yeah, you can look at it and you know those. Best chance of survival: get on the floor, shut the door. What? Get in the bathtub. I mean, if you can, put the water on. <laughs> I think the best thing for me, the best advice I could give would be to, one, pre-plan, right? Oh, um, yeah, sure. That have a cool. uh, pre-designed like uh, area outside where your family can go. If there's a fire in our house, we're all going to try to meet at the big tree in the front yard. I don't think people do that very often, do no, they? No, no. Have no. a plan. No. And you need to talk about it. You need to you need to have all this shit figured out before it actually happens, right? So you have, need to have a plan where you're going to meet and uh, change your batteries and your smoke detector every six months. People with time change, that's easy because they just recommend doing it when the time goes forward or backwards, right? Sure. Um, and if you do shut the... If you are in a, in a house and you can't... You're on a second floor or something and you can't get down to the first floor... Um, Shut the door to the room. Separate yourself from the hallway. Like, make sure you shut the door. Put a towel on the door at the bottom. Stay to or the floor. Or a blanket or something. Anything. Just, yeah. to, just to close the crack of that door. You know, generally a wet towel, a damp towel, but you may not have a bathroom right there. Sure. Right? So, Start peeing, people. Yeah. <laughs> so you... It's going to save your life. <laughs> what save your life? Life, urine. Urine. <laughs> urine and luck. But, you know, bang on You're in luck. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, we're here so, to help people. Yeah, we really are trying to help you. <laughs> I'm totally making a T-shirt. You're in luck. You're in luck. Oh my god! But you know, bang on the window, bang on the, the you know, make yourself known. You know, however you can. Um, you want to try to obviously get out of the house, but if you can't get out of the house, do make some it of known those. that you're yeah, in there. Make it known you're in there. You know, and don't stop for the family heirlooms. Yeah, don't. And do you don't, get that a lot? Do people do that? Oh, yeah. Like, people, they'll run out. This is how people die the most common way. They run out, realize, oh, my God, I forgot, you know, Brutus the dog. Oh. And they're like, I run back, they run back in and they die. Yeah. And. I can understand wanting happens. to run in after an animal. That makes sense. I meant an inanimate object. Not that I'm advocating running in after your animal, but I'm just saying that. I can understand why people do that. Sure, sure, but the you know I think that's the only thing really. Um, try to get out of the house if you can't get out of the house. Then pee, pee everywhere. Pee a lot. <laughs> like drink a lot of water. That's why you drink water every day. Keep hydrated, people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Put some and for girls, I, you know, you too can pee standing up with direction. It just takes a little practice. Just saying. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, there's everybody. Please fire EMS. Um, fire EMS. Please fire and EMS. Whether you're an EMT or a paramedic, people should keep in mind that um, you know if you see them at the store, oh if yeah, you see them out and about. Say thanks. Say thanks because a half an hour before that, they could have been you know picking a dead person up off the road or yeah. seeing something that no one's eyes should ever see. 
and people don't think about that. They just look at it for what it is, you know, in the now. But I mean, we've been talking about bad stuff. I've seen a lot of great stuff too. Like, I had a woman once that. This is a good story. This is a pretty. I'll be the judge of that. Okay, I think you'll like it. <laughs> but she, um, we got a call for like an unknown problem, and me and another guy go out there, and I we got in the driveway, and I and I looked. And, like, there's a car in the driveway with the driver's door wide open. And the car's, like, kind of erratically parked in the driveway. I'm like, that's odd. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, common sense. That's just odd. Yeah. So the garage door was open. So I said, hey, I'll go in the house. Why don't you go in the front door and we'll see what's going on. Well, I go in the house. There's this elderly man. I mean, he was, at the time, this is years ago, he was old. He was watching Jeopardy. And he had it on, like, full tilt. Like, and he didn't even, like, turn to look see there were strangers in his house he just kept watching Jeopardy it's probably double Jeopardy it probably was yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes important stuff so, I, go, so I, I look over on the other side of the kitchen counter and there's a woman not breathing with a phone in her hand the phone is in her hand and she's on the ground and she had no pulse so she was clinically dead and so I'm like alright well like Start CPR, so we we're doing CPR, and I and I looked in the back of her throat with a piece of equipment, and I and I looked in the throat, and I remember I'm like, this woman choked to death, like there's ham, all over the back of her throat. So I put a breathing tube in her throat, you know, gave her some oxygen for a little bit, and she started, she didn't totally wake up, but she, she started improving vastly. So she and, mustn't have been down long. No, Brain not at all. No, she shape. wasn't down long. Yeah. You know, and how long can you go without oxygen? To the well, brain? ten minutes is when you start having. If you have no oxygen in your brain for ten minutes, then you start having irreversible brain. Then you become a politician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different podcasts here today. <laughs> like this is going to be like uh, we got a month's worth of material. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, she started kind of coming around, and, and so I, I gave her some medicine to make her go to sleep so she'd be comfortable. And right before I did, I said, if I'm breathing for you, I don't know what happened with you, but I think you choked on ham. Um, but <laughs> if good. you understand what I'm saying, blink twice. And she blinked twice. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you some medicine to go to sleep, and you'll wake up a little bit later. But that's what we're going to do right now. And... Because she started kind of waking up with a tuber in throat, and that's scary. And she's trying to yell out the Jeopardy answer. And right. Like, no. Right. Get her out. I'll take what the fuck for one thousand. <laughs> so she goes. Um, we get her in the ambulance, get her to the hospital, and I and I dropped her off, and I come back about an hour later, and she's sitting up in bed like you and I right now. We're not in bed, people. Oh yeah, like not yeah. <laughs> let's. <laughs> let's get that. She was in a hospital bed. <laughs> we're at a kitchen table. Big difference. So, uh, she goes, yeah, my chest is kind of sore. And I'm like, hey, listen, what exactly happened? And she said, I was eating a ham sandwich, and I started choking, and I pulled in the driveway, ran out of my car, and went to dial 911, but I couldn't speak. She had total airway occlusion, right? And then she just doesn't remember what happened after that. So, but I said, who was the guy watching (laughs) Jeopardy? in the living room and she's like oh I'm, I'm his caregiver and I'm like that guy never ever 
even turned his head. While you guys were working on it? Not once. He didn't. Did he know? Was he dumb? He he had no straight. There's like five, six strangers in his house. Like ten feet behind him. How would you, you know? It's like a really horrifying SNL skit. I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm like, hey, it looks like today we got the Daily Double. And we got the final question right. Oh, my gosh. So, so forward two years later, my uncle goes, hey, I'm going to a party tonight. Um, my friends, would you like to come? And I said, sure. It was a man and his wife. And so we're sitting out, you know, having a couple of drinks, talking about whatever they know. I'm a fireman. And they're, they're going, uh, she goes, of course, everybody always does. Like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? And I don't like to talk about it. You know, this isn't like about me, me, me. This is, it's us. Like. Sure. It's a team sport. But it's still, I mean, you have stories. It's okay. So I'm like thinking, okay, like, what's the story I could tell them that had a good ending, you know? And I'm like, well, I'll tell them the Choke Lee story. It's a great ending. Tell them the whole story what I just told you. At the end, she goes, was her name such and such? So, yeah. She's like, that's my mom. <gasps> no way! Yeah, I swear to God, true story. Weird. Yeah, she's like, that's my mom. And she started crying. Aww. Yeah, we're still friends to this day. You know? That's awesome. And they end up bringing her mom to the um, awards banquet when all of us got recognized for that call. Aww. Yeah. Did they serve Ham? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Ham was off the menu. That'll I, just that'll teach you. you gotta eat bites. You gotta chew your food. Right. Like, Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to talk about that might... I mean, I, what, any other questions you have? How long does it take you to grow that full beard and mustache? I like mean, that a, is epic. Like a, like seven days. Yeah. You're a fuzzy dude. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Genetics. Yeah. He's a bear, ladies. <laughs> no, <come> on, <laughs> Thank you so much, Brooks, for being on Hey Human. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. It was, it was uh, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, it was, it was nice. It really is awesome. Uh, for those of you who are interested, stick around and uh, hit the extra content for, for more from Brooks. Everybody, um, thank a firefighter, a policeman, an EMT, and a paramedic. And uh, thanks for listening. Hope you appreciate it. I, I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> now, since we're in bed together and all. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Jeez. Eating ham. <laughs> <laughs>